Hello everyone, this is Citizen Reporter number 430 for the 12th of September, This is your show, and I'm your guest. Okay, well, um, you know, then the, the audience is here now, and, and we'll just say uh, hello, everyone, and, and of course, welcome to another uh, edition, in some form or another, of uh, Citizen Reporter. And normally, we're doing the whole underreported news and, and global concerns and so forth. But um, today, as some of you may have noticed on the web, uh, there's been this launch of a campaign this week, a project that I'm involved with, together with Christopher Lydon, who joins us right now. Hi, Chris. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Good morning, friends of Mark. Good morning, everybody. Uh, and, and, of course, one of the great side effects of this project is that you and I talk regularly. Um, we've, we've spoken for, for quite a while now on and off, but now we get to speak every day and, and sort of do check-ins. We've Praise s- God for Skype. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, our mission, for those who don't know, uh, is, is North Africa. It's, it's Egypt. It's uh, Tunisia. Uh, with a stopover in Lebanon, is that still on the? We hope, yep. Um, People... and, and we'll talk more about all the details as to why and, and the hows. Um, and we're doing it through Kickstarter. And I think, especially the U.S.-based uh, listeners, know this name, Kickstarter. It's been probably the last two years. It's really come on the scene, and and you can't even if you weren't looking for it, it you probably ran into it. I think in Europe, it's starting to catch up a little, or at least the theory, the idea of raising funds uh, through. People power, crowdfunding. So, I mean, Chris, let me bring you into it. Um, you and I started talking about a journalistic journey, a, a podcast radio adventure where we speak with great storytellers. But this is something you've been doing uh, far longer than I have. Um, so, in many ways, this is just this is another adventure you wanted to go on. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um... Can I just plunge, Mark? There, there are two different ways I think about this thing. One, uh, I'm totally transfixed by the so-called Arab Spring. It's, uh, you know, two springs and two summers and approaching fall now. It's, it's an incredibly complicated story. And not, I mean, just to think of Syria, the Syrian version, the Libyan version, the Egyptian version, the Tunisian version, not to mention the Yemen and Bahrain and others, um, but a it's just uh, unmistakably one of the epic stories of our time, of my lifetime. And uh, uh, people say, you know, is this uh, the Russian Revolution? Is it the French Revolution? I, I think it might be even bigger than that. It's a vast mass of people, and uh, I want to get my head around it. And then, of course, my way of getting my head around things is a to read a lot, but basically drift toward not the tacticians, not even the people driving it in the street, but the people, the poets, the storytellers, the writers, the musicians, 
the people whose whole life and craft and skill and gift and history is distilling these things, finding the representative story or the five people in Tahrir Square, not the half million, not the million, but uh, a few people that will will tell the story for those of us who, you know, who don't don't know it as well as we should. So uh, I'm thrilled about that. Second big big category in this whole thing. Uh, to be blunt about it, Mark, I'd have gone. I'd go to the planet Pluto with you, just to <laughs> see how you approach it and the technology you would bring. You're a lot younger than I am. You come at it with a lot more technical chops and and, and a lot a much much bigger network of of hackers. My one small claim in in the uh, in the hardware and the mechanics of this whole business is that. I sort of backed into doing the first podcast ever, <laughs> almost 10 years ago, with a guy who knew what we were doing. I really didn't, but with Dave Weiner. And when you, when you Google first podcast, you find me. Uh, <laughs> but so that sort of dragged me kicking and screaming into this technological revolution. Neither am I a businessman either. I'm a journalist. I'm a curious person to begin with. Uh, but it all comes together. I want to see how your generation... Uh, covers this news because without any question in my mind, the the giants of the old journalism are, are heading toward the elephant boneyard uh, and you guys improvising on your own, learning new, uh, new techniques, going to strange places, going on your own, making your own judgments, finding your own audience, finding your own financial support, which is an important thing we want to talk about. It, it's it's a revelation to me, and I want to learn it with you. Hmm. That's the short form of this mission. I'm tremendously excited about it. We had a very strong start in our Kickstarter campaign. We got 40% 40 of the way to the goal in the first two days. We've got 30 days to finish it, uh, which doesn't mean I, I don't get butterflies in my stomach thinking about, okay, let's pour it on, let's keep the pressure on, let's keep it going. And people in the Kickstarter world warn me about this, like, the first burst, you'll be in hog heaven. Yes, but yeah. you got to keep going. Yeah. So that's where we are. But uh, I'm reading all the time about Egypt. I'm, Of course, we're reading this morning about the murder of the American ambassador in Libya. And there was a disruption in Cairo yesterday, too, uh, which, which just reminds you this is a very, very live story. Um, this is not, you know... This is not uh, ancient history by a long shot, and so anyway, I'm charged. What you know, and 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 let's let's. I'm going to go from that that recent item, that recent event, this this horrible thing that has happened, uh, almost seemingly simultaneously simultaneously in 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 Cairo and also in Benghazi in Libya. Um, part of why I want to do this so much, um, you know, and I'll echo, of course, the the desire to go to Mars with you if we can figure out the science. Let's... I think we said Pluto, but oh, I'll right. go anyway. <laughs> I'm just fascinated to be on, on Mars with a rover. I think it would be so interesting to be the only humans together with a rover on a, a vast planet. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, one of my fears, and, and that was true before this, these events, um, it's been true since the revolution, is that, especially outside of these countries, what we understand uh, about these places and the events that are unfolding is the simple form. And I'm no stranger to trying to explain things in simple terms and, and sometimes wanting to, to be explained things in simple terms. But 
as I get older, I realize things are complicated. It's neither black nor white, it's gray. It's, it's not good, not bad, it's something in between. In, in so many cases in this life, right? And so when you see, like, people, you know, the story is there was a protest, there was anger about this film that, that uh, was treated badly, it treated the Prophet Muhammad badly, and some protesters scaled the walls of the embassy in Cairo. In the case of Benghazi, an organized group of militants, very scary, um, who raided the thing. People may actually draw conclusions. Perhaps the media doesn't even have to say it, perhaps they're not even trying, but the conclusion will get drawn that the Arab Spring and the current state of affairs is a loss. It looked good, but it's a loss. Look, here's how we know. And I think that the issue is far more complicated and without people there, and the beauty is, of course, in the days of blogging, we do have people there, so it doesn't have to be Chris Lydon and, and Mark when they were going to Egypt, but we do love to do it. Um, I think it's fun to be the stranger, um, but also the student of a country to get to learn it uh, before you go and once you're there as well. So in that sense, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to go. But I'm also glad to live in an era where if, if only they could be heard, there are voices in these places. And in this case, you mentioned the artists, and that's our focus, the observers, um, the critical minds that could tell you that the story is not just that. It doesn't end there, it doesn't even begin there. Um, it's, it's not just the scaling of a wall and, and that, you know, many people are, are horrified or scared of the Muslim Brotherhood. Just the name, the Muslim Brotherhood as a party in Egypt and, and also a political force in, in Libya. Um, but of course, if you start reading, you might find that the Muslim Brotherhood is far more complicated than you think. It's probably the, they, they'll be the exact opposite of what you thought based on the name. Not, you know, that, that's not necessarily the case. So that's part of uh, why I want to go so much and take the time, you know, slow journalism a bit. Amen. Yeah. I, funny, I almost put that in my, in my promotion, sort of, this is to journalism what slow cooking is to McDonald's. I mean, uh, leave it on the back burner for a day. Uh, that's the way the best lamb is cooked. Uh, and but also people who with people who are genuinely trying to make sense of this in 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 terms of several hundred years for example i i i want to say this with with complete humility but i read nagib mahfouz yeah. i mean the nobel prize winning egyptian novelist he 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 is the great celebrated not the only one by a long shot but he's the one who uh, made a big impression in the West, uh, won the Nobel Prize. He was prolific over a very long career. He's, I mean, let's call him the way people do, the Balzac of Cairo. Hmm. And I'm deep in this Cairo trilogy of of uh, story of one family. And it begins around the 1900, and it runs, you know, well into the modern time. But the point is only... When you read that, Mark, you realize that uh, this story has been going on, even today's story has been going on for a long time, for, for at least 100 years. I mean, there is a description at the end of Palace Walk, the first novel of this Cairo trilogy, um, in which, um, uh, of, a, of an uprising um, in 1919, Right after the end of World War One, there's a member, a young member of the family, Fahmi, is a militant 
uh, I won't say revolutionist, but he wants the Brits out of Egypt after World War I. But as soon as, when they defeat the Ottomans and the Germans, uh, the handwriting is on the wall that the Brits are going to stay. Hmm. He can't believe it. But in any event, there is a, a demonstration, riots, and then a vicious police response by the Brits in 1919. It sounds, when you read it, you think you're reading uh, the sort of the repressive power of the Syrian government, but then also the, the people energy of Tahrir Square in, in the 2011. I mean, I, I, I could read it to you, and I'm going to write about this, but, you know, everybody's caught up in this tremendous agitation. He says there had never been a demonstration like this before. A hundred thousand people wearing modern fezes and traditional turbans, students, workers, civil servants, Muslims, Christian religious leaders, the judges, blah, blah, blah. They're all in the streets to get the Brits out. Uh, and and they're expecting victory. And they're denouncing the Brits for exiling their leader, uh, Saad Fagul. And uh, it was the first demonstration that machine guns had not interrupted. No longer would bullets come from this one side and stones from the other. Egyptians are coming into their power and uh, incredible sense of triumph. Of course, it's all dashed within a matter of hours. Um, but the, the whole idea of, first of all, these demonstrations as devices, and B, the rage in the Egyptian populace for independence, for dignity, for their own identity, Egyptian more than Muslim, um, is, is an established thing. And I, I think it underlies even this savage response to, in the American embassy to, uh, and, and, the, and the murder of the, of the ambassador in, uh, in Libya, uh, an air of uh, a sort of a brutal expression of a very broad-based insistence on dignity. We're not going to take it. Mm -hmm. You don't own us. And a kind of pent-up, more than a century of fury about being uh, stepped on and, and uh, devalued. And people making fun, not just making fun, making vicious dismissals of Islam. It, you know, it's all part of a much larger piece that we, I think we got to learn. Hmm. And that means you and me too. Yeah. I, I was watching um, David Simon. He was, you know, the creator of The Wire and the, the longtime uh, Baltimore Sun journalist. He was, yeah. um, he was on... Uh, real time with Bill Maher. And, you know, in his few minutes that he got on there, um, and it's something that David Simon has always said that I, I never get tired of listening to, he, he said the problem with an election uh, or even the way we speak about the times we live in is that people speak in increments of four years or, you know, if the revolution was a year ago uh, in, in the increments of one year, and, and they they judge and they decide based on those four years. He was, he was actually arguing about the idea of, are you better off now than you were so-and-so years ago? Uh -huh. um, and he was saying, you know, there are cycles that are far longer than four years or eight years. There are um, problems uh, and, and also successes that are, that are far beyond any, uh, period of time that you think, you know, where someone is in power or, or out of power, um, it's complicated and it takes long. 
Um, and, and, and when he said that, you know, I thought of everything at the same time, right? I thought of the United States and, and any president, not just this one, and any plan that they may or may not have had, um, and any issue like even unemployment. And then I also, but I also think of Egypt, where, you know, a revolution could be dismissed or could be celebrated as a massive success. Yeah. But of course, none of these has to be true. It, it's, it takes so much longer. And, and perhaps actually what we're seeing is, is a long time coming, as, as you've pointed out a bit, um, because historically it, it's these explosions, these moments, these uh, mass movements have happened before. Um, but anyway, when, when David Simon said this, I thought, I'm, I'm with him, you know, <laughs> things are Me complex. And, I'm, I, and, and we live in an era, on the other hand, where in journalism, it's about kind of sweeping that under the rug and giving you the quick version because you don't have time because your browser or your mobile app only accepts, you know, quick headlines. Um, and I don't, if I could be stubborn, I don't feel like catering to that. Um, and, I, and I think that there's a benefit for everyone that I am so stubborn. <laughs> um, I think it's good for us to eat our vegetables in a way. And, and I know that's been criticized and you, you've worked in public radio and it's, it's, it's long been criticized for that attitude. Like we know better. Um, so in that sense, maybe I'm, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're, you're dead on Mark. And I, I just want to underline that to me, that's the third thing that motivates me. A, there's the story. B, there's a chance to cover it with new tools, but C, uh, there is a huge void in journalism today, um, and it's it's the long form, it's the slow cooking, it's something more than the ball score or the you know hits runs and errors. It's something more than the scandalous headline or the you know who's breaking up with whom. Um, and and it's to me, you know, when you look at it long term uh, or over longer span, it's shocking uh, what's missing. I'll tell you a quick story about that. Ralph Nader was telling me about a guy that he grew up with, played ball with in their hometown of Winston, Connecticut, a guy named David Halberstam, you know, the, the most famous reporter of the Vietnam War. David Halberstam was 28 years old, younger than you, hmm. younger than my kids, uh, when he was covering the war in Vietnam. And at one point, he had called a general at home to verify some numbers or a battle or something. And the general sort of upbraided him the next day in the briefing, calling him at home. And he complained to the guy's editor, to David's editors. And David stood respectfully in this briefing and he said, General, I have to tell you something with respect. I am not a corporal in your army. <laughs> I work for the New York Times and its readers. And my job here is to tell my editors and my readers what is going on. And... Today, a reporter like that would be embedded, mm -hmm. and he almost certainly would would not have the brass, this incredibly aggressive, confident energy of David Halberstam, and we are the poorer for it. We're not getting uh, critical, self-critical reporting, reporting you know that confronts our own institutional, imperial, personal biases in the story, and we're not getting it in a great variety that we can choose from. So I think what, what you and I want to do, which is just to be ourselves, see everything we can possibly see, be reasonably well prepared when we get in there, but tell people what, what we see yeah. straight ahead um, and encourage other people to come and get their versions. I, I, I feel kind of a mission about it.
Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, that's the beauty as well. You know, you, you say it all the time. Take me to your talkers. You know, we um, we let people tell their stories. And, and that's where I, I, you know, we I think in general break away from you, you call it parachute radio. Um, you know, that, that, that's not the best moniker. That's, that, that's a kind of a joke. Right. But, but, but you know what? It makes me think of the opposite. Uh, um, a uh, who's the gray haired gentleman on CNN? Um, uh, he, Anderson Cooper. You know, I remember him in Haiti. Uh, after the earthquake and uh, he's standing out there and they're suffering behind him and you know we all know if we think about it he arrived in Haiti yesterday he got some you know he made some did some quick research Uh, you know maybe he remembers a story from the past not to discredit him completely but he he does the quick spot you know he does the the CNN report and then he's out of there Um, it's unlikely that he'll really let a a Haitian gentleman <laughs> tell you about what happened during the earthquake. I mean, it, it may happen, but it's less likely. There's not enough time. Um, maybe there's some legalities. He can't get cleared with his his uh, uh, place of employment, CNN. And, and that's where I think this also differs. Because at first glance, it's like, oh, Westerners going into, uh, if we want to call it non-Western, which is also silly. But anyway, going into a foreign country um, and, and running around telling us what's going on in that country. Um, but it's different than that. It's about what we can do is find the individuals. In a way, we're, we're small-time detectives. You know, you, you find the people that have had stories probably that in that country are, are more well-known. It just never gets out because it's not valued in the way we value things in the, in the press and in, in our fast-paced, so-called fast-paced world. Um, we can go there, find the people, and let them do the talking not sit there and try and lecture to people about what Egypt is or what Tunisia is or what the Arab Spring is. Um, you know, let the people that have been living it and long before it was here and, and hopefully long after, uh, let them tell the story. Yeah, Mark, I just want to say we can do it, but we have done it. You've done a whole lot of it in places I haven't been. I've done a good deal of it uh, last summer in Pakistan uh, some before that in India, before that in West Africa, Singapore, Caribbean. Um, this can be done. And the funny part of it is when you come in a sort of non-institutional, you know, you don't have your CNN badge or your mm-hmm. New York Times, uh, you know, embassy stamp and whatnot, uh, people are dying to talk. And they all know that the CNN version is not the way they see life. And they're I can honestly say that over and over they're grateful for to have a chance to to talk at some length with two or three main points and a lot of sub points hmm. in that. It's not one headline. It's not one. Uh, it's not one verdict. And um, so it it works. Is is all I can say. It works like magic. I mean, think of your own life. Think of day to day life. People. This is certainly what I learned doing a lot of talk radio and in, in, on a very, very smart program in the States. Uh, people are dying to be asked, what's your story? <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you going through? How, how is this, what, how is what Egypt's going through affected what you're going through? Um, people are, are, are flattered in a way, but they're invited. And then the damnedest things happen. I always think of, a great friend of mine, a doctor, cardiologist, won the Nobel Prize for peace, actually, Bernard <laughs> Laun, uh, but a great doctor, too. Um, 
he says, you know, in an age of, of technological miracles in, in the treatment of, of disease, uh, the most valuable technology ever invented in medicine is the personal interview of the doctor asking people to tell their story and then literally waiting for the, for the telltale t coin to drop, you know, maybe in the second hour. Yeah. And you say, oh, yes, oh, yes, you know, my father beat me or, you know, my mother died when I was four years old or whatever. Hmm. Uh, and he's not a psychiatrist either. He's a heart doctor. But to get the, get the inside view from a patient yeah. patiently, I mean, this is one other little pitch. I, I mean, I love to make for the, for the new media. I mean, the new media and, and tweet, uh, twittering, tweeting Twitter for <laughs> the 140 character byte, which can travel around the world 50 times in a second. Um, so it's built for speed. It's built for brevity. It's built for burst. But it's also built for intimacy. It's built for the slow conversation. It's built for, you know, an hour's conversation on the web in a podcast doesn't cost any more than a tweet. I mean, it's kind of fantastic. Why do you have to get a No, not interesting tweet there, Mr. Jones, but why don't you sit down and, and let's hmm. stop being instantly clever, <laughs> but let's try to flesh that out. Yeah. Maybe at 30 minutes in, he'll tell you, you know, did I tell you about my my father beating me or, or, or whatever? Hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a great medium for the slow, for the deep, mm. for the for the human. Yeah. And and so I, I want to transition it here to the the method we've used. We we talked a little bit about, you know, here we are on Kickstarter. Um there you, you talked about the the what did you call it? Your your the first on that first day. Uh, as everyone told you would happen when it goes well, as people jump in and support you, you're, you're high, you're, you're happy. Um, but the hard part is, and that's true for not just fundraising, but that's true for anybody trying to raise awareness. There's a lot of different areas with today's internet, the way it functions for the majority, um, the hard part is lasting. I mean, ask Coney 2012, you know, it's, it's, um, it, 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 you have a, your good day, you have your maybe your good week, that's already impressive. But then you have the drop off and the question of how do you get an internet that is so, ah, what's the term? They just move on. There's this strange moving on tendency and, and we don't exactly know who started it. <laughs> the individual user or was it some dark plans, you know, the scheme to keep us distracted. But so here we are facing a challenge. We've got I'm looking at it. We've got 27 days to go. The way the system that we're using, the, the adventure we're going on here, 27 days to raise, uh, you know, the goal of, of 14,900, which would fund a, a, a three-person expedition, uh, not to sound too colonial. Um, and, and we've got 79 backers right now. And, you know, when you consider how many people are out there and how much information is going around, this is also a struggle. Um, so as, as happy as we can be, because there is plenty of cause to be happy that, that people are already coming out, it's also a matter of, hmm, is this, are we going to be okay? Uh, what else should we do? Uh, we repeat ourselves, remind people, okay, we'll do that. You know, and that's, I mean, we've known this is a difficulty, I think, you and I and everybody out there. 
but it's um for me it's interesting to live it <laughs> you know to <laughs> um you hear your heart pounding you mean yeah and to actually be the one you know it's easy to observe people starting a project and, and taking the risk and, and and when it starts good and then the hard times in between and the big finish is it the you know is it a win is it does it work um so th that's the struggle here you know i i let me tell you something i have over 2000 what we call friends on facebook um you know maybe 500 of them are, are listeners of my program and we don't know each other personally that that has happened i recognize a little bit of name right that they've left comments over the year years but the perhaps you know i'm going to phrase it as as concerning part is you may have something important to say after perhaps a month of not having said anything or having only mentioned little, you know, what I'm up to, a museum I went to, something interesting, you know, sharing the regular links. But then comes the day where you have something of importance, perhaps for yourself, perhaps for the general public, but it gets mixed in with all the noise, all the first day of school photos of kids, you know, heading out. I've seen so many first day of school photos. They're they're beautiful and they're they're also disturbing. It's It's a lot of noise. And so... What's what's very difficult about the era uh, we live in, and and that I've you know evolved as a new media person. I used to I was a preacher for blogging. Now that's not to say I'm not anymore, but I see the back end now. I see the downside, um, and I want to know you know how to avoid the pitfalls, how to how to boost it up to where I think it belongs, um, but I can't quite get there yet. You know, and so anyway, I think. The point is clear that I'm making here. It's that I'm well aware. We, th this is, you know, a, a plan, a mission, um, a proposal for people to, to come on board. But it's out there amongst so many other plans, other good deeds and proper projects, yep. and also everything else. Um, and that's... So what do hard. we ask people to do, Mark? <sighs> I mean, you, you ask what you've always asked as a person producing honest, um, genuine work that you actually hope does some good in this world, uh, even if you're not the king of all media, uh, Howard Stern. Um, you, you ask that people <sighs> be able to sort through it and, and, and note when something is of specific you know, uh, uh, importance or, or meaning or, or a, a, larger, you know, a larger goal. Versus the stuff that is just, you know, good for a laugh, um, good, good, good to hear from a friend and so on. But I, I don't know what I'm asking from people. You know, I'm asking this of the Internet, actually. I wish that we could sort through things better, see through noise, um, because there is a lot of noise for the sake of noise. <laughs> well, that's uh, I've got about 2000 friends, too. Uh, and, and I see some. Uh... You know, little of everything. I see, some, I see some kitten pictures too, but but on the other hand, I think it's not the internet; it's us, and we've got to just tell them straight out that um, we need help. I, I have to say, I'm hugely reassured that when you ask people, people respond. It, yeah. It's kind of amazing. Asking you shall receive. It's true. Um, with the big guy upstairs, <laughs> but I think face to face, uh, I've asked people for help, and they say, "Yeah, I'll do my part." And I don't know. Have you have you asked people on your Facebook page to to kick in for kick for this Kickstarter campaign? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Um, and I'm going to ask mine again right this minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But uh, I, I think that's that's important, and it makes me a little bolder, in fact, just to hmm. to tell people, yes, I really want this, and moreover, it's a very good thing. We're going to work our butts off, yeah. and you'll get something that you haven't got from anybody else, and you're going to be asking yourself, why didn't I know that? Why didn't why wasn't that part of the coverage? Never heard that tone of voice. I, you know, the nicest thing I heard from Pakistan uh, was from Indians and from India. You know, it was Pakistanis saying, you know, I've lived in this part of the world for all my life and I, I'd never heard that hmm. voice from Pakistan. Yeah. Um, whatever. But I think we can do that with Egypt and with Tunis. And I think we'll surprise people. I think we can give people something of real value, but we, we got to go ask them, hmm. help us out. Hmm. Okay. And, and that means, um, uh, go to the Kickstarter site, look for Christopher Leiden or Arab artists hmm. revolution, Arab artists in a revolution is the name of our project. And, um, and, uh, look at the video and listen to our plan, see what we've done. And then, Pitching everything you can. Yeah, and there was something you said earlier to me when we were talking off <laughs> off the air. Um, you mentioned how not everybody realizes how this works. You know, we have a goal. It's listed there. We're, we're well on our way to it, uh, happily. But um, the way this works is that, you know, we have to reach that goal. <laughs> like so many things in life. Uh, the journey is great, but the goal is also, uh, um, well, in this case, necessary. So... Um, and if we don't get to the goal, we don't get anything. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's another that's controversial aspect of Kickstarter, by the way. There are systems that propose something different, getting whatever you can manage. But uh, And that's where this is far different than what, you know, in the blogging world, we were putting up PayPal donation buttons back in 2004, 2005, uh, and earlier, and saying, I'm a blogger, I'm writing every day, I'm focusing on the following topic. Um keep me going, send me a tip. And, you know, you, you t and I do to this day, we take whatever people are willing to give to help us keep going. Uh, and we make do, right? You know, if it, if it doesn't come from there, we'll, we'll do some side work, we'll figure it out. Um, this is somewhat different. You know, it's not about taking whatever you can get. It's actually setting a, a fairly bold goal and saying, this time, <laughs> you know, we're going all the way. <laughs> Um, and that, that's and you're going that's with us. We're, you know, I, I I think of the mission actually to to do conversations that will make any listener feel, wow, uh, I'm in on this. I'm walking I'm walking through Winston, Connecticut, with Ralph Nader today, and to, you know, <laughs> in November, Chris Leiden and Mark Rendero are going to be walking through Cairo and beyond <laughs> uh, with deeply reflective, interesting historians, poets songwriters, storytellers, dramatists, movie makers. I mean, I want to get on the, <laughs> I want to be in the camera with some of these filmmakers. It's an incredibly energetic time. And of course, they're all trying to figure it out too. Yeah. It's not as, you know, they're holding a secret. They're, they're trying to delve the depths here. Yeah. So, and, and it's amazing how this works, too. I mean, I, I suppose I, we should end soon. And, and I, I hope people aren't exhausted from what sounds like a perhaps um, a rah-rah podcast. But I'm all, I think we're also sorting this in our heads continuously um, at this right now. Um, you know, I mentioned to people the goal, the trip, the, the, the point of it all, who, I want, who we want to talk to. And people, I mean, maybe it's the advantage of living in such a fun place as, as Amsterdam. 
people come forward and go, wait a minute, then if you're doing that, I have someone who, who does street art in, uh, in Cairo. I have someone who does theater in Tunisia. Uh, he, he does youth theater. And, and, and so all of a sudden, I thought I knew what I was doing already, but people are bringing me uh, even more crazy and, and wonderful uh, suggestions and people who we will get to meet. So that's also what's been very fun. Just setting the goal and starting down this road. Um, so many other people contribute, and it's not just money. You know, it's it's um, it's contact, it's it's ideas, um, it's uh, yeah, people. <laughs> Sounds like fun, Mark. Let's do it. All right, we're in. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and I'll include, of course, uh, in the show notes uh, a link to the Kickstarter. But if you've been to my website, you've already read about it. If you're sick and tired of hearing about it, don't worry, because once we're there, it's going to be great, and it'll be all be worth it. Um, and and if anything. Uh, I know there are the students and there are people who are uh, just simply can't or won't uh, donate. And I can, I can respect that as well. I mean, I've, I've there, I've, I haven't paid for everything on the internet in my life, but, um, but if you could then, you know, sh- spread the word, talk about it at dinner even, um, because I think this also can be tremendously valuable. And I'm always thankful when I think we're both thankful when people, do that as well. Spread the word. Yeah, the, the contributions that touch me the most are for a dollar, <laughs> for a dollar fifty, for three dollars, three fifty, um, and I've had a few of those. Yeah. Give what you can, and tell your friends by all means. Yeah. All right. So off we go to continue our preparations. <laughs> Back to Nagib Mafuz. Yeah, a study. Oh, it's a study. All right. <laughs> yeah, study all exactly. Mark, thank you. Thank you, Chris. And pleasure. Uh, Let's talk soon. Yeah. Shuhada, who bid Mahabis, 
skydde Millicenter regelmedel 